Welcome to part two of Distilling the Truth About Cancer and Alcohol with special cancer expert Jackie Bryan. Part one is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Beating Cancer Daily. Beating stage four cancer for 30 years still takes my breath away every time I say it. I'm Saren, founder of the Comedy Cures Foundation, and I hope you'll join me for just a few minutes daily for the next 365 days so we may laugh, learn, maybe cry a little as we live our best days beating cancer daily together. Welcome to our registered nurse, certified nutrition specialist, whole health educator, certified health coach, Jackie Bryan. Thank you, Saren. It's wonderful to be here with you again. You happen to mention on a prior episode that the body actually sees alcohol as a toxin and that it attacks it. And you talked about how it overlook some of the nutrients that you're having that could be wonderful because it's paired with alcohol. Can you talk about that just in case someone didn't hear that episode? Because I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. So we we talked about 80% of the alcohol gets basically absorbed through the small intestine. It gets sent to the liver and that's, it gets broken down into acetate in the liver. But in that journey, the liver is saying, whoa. Yeah, wait, wait. The liver is saying, whoa. I love that. Whoa. <laughs> this is a toxin. This is something I'm concerned about. So the liver will address but prioritizes, oh, I've got to take care of this toxin first before I deal with all the other nutrients that she gave me. So the the organic blueberries and the the the, the real salmon and the asparagus, those are going to take a back burner to nourishing the body because the, the, the liver is going to be like, I got to deal with this first. I'm going to take care of this problem first. And so your body ends up getting the nutrients from a carcinogen, like something that's not so healthful. So it's something to think about. And again, I don't want people to feel like I'm saying never have alcohol. It, I'm, we're going to talk about ways that you can consume alcohol safely if that's a choice that you decide to make. We talked about that the alcohol is metabolized into that acetaldehyde, right, which is that toxic chemical, and that will damage DNA and it causes oxidation in, in the body. And if we go back as far as our antioxidant podcast and even our lemon podcast that we've done, we know that oxidation is a normal process that happens in our body. It's it's the byproduct of the way our body functions, right? The issue is that we're not helping it any, right? That the alcohol is not helping us reduce oxidation. It's actually increasing oxidation. So it's something that we want to pay attention to. As a functional nutritionist, I get really interested in the fact that alcohol can impair the body's ability to break down and absorb certain nutrients. And those certain nutrients are things that we need to prevent cancer. And so alcohol can disrupt you know, the, the absorption of vitamin A. Then you think about things that you get in your vegetables. B-complex vitamins, vitamin C from our oranges, D from the sunshine, E 
and even carotenoids or things that you get from carrots and squash, any of those orange vegetables, right? So alcohol can make it difficult for you to absorb these nutrients. So it's something that can be put into a leaching category, right? It's not giving us what we need to be able to keep our body protected and safe. In addition, alcohol, and this was of particular interest to me because I'm a 20-year breast cancer survivor, is that it increases levels of estrogen, our, our sex hormone that is linked to the risk of breast cancer. It's considered a phytoestrogen. And so if you've got a tumor that is fed by a hormone, then alcohol is something you really want to think about, make that decision about. The other piece about alcohol and, and its effect on our risk of getting cancer would also be knowing your sources, right? Understanding how the alcohol is produced, right? How often have you gone to the store to purchase a bottle of wine or some alcohol and thought to yourself, hmm, I wonder how they put this thing together. <laughs> Wondering how they did this because some of the fermentation process can have carcinogenic contaminants in it that can happen during the fermentation process. So that's a really important thing for us to consider. Do sulfites have any bearing? Because you see that on a lot of labels and I'm starting to see a lot more organic wine pop up. Right. So you can you can sneak a lot of things into wine and other alcoholic beverages and sulfates and histamines, especially in wine are things that give people the headaches, often the hangovers. They do have these wands, they call them, and they're actually these little filters you can put in a glass of wine that can help you get out a good percentage of the sulfates, sulfates and the histamines. And so if somebody is interested in not feeling the wine hangover, that might be something for them to consider. They can just look it up online to see what this little apparatus is. I think it's kind of cool. But I did want to define what is a standard drink? So we just talked about a lot of information and, and what the impact is on the body. But when I say a drink or a number of drinks, people might be thinking their eight ounce glass of red wine is one drink. <laughs> and that's actually not the case. The, the, the researchers have used guidelines like 12 ounces of beer with 5% alcohol or eight ounces of a malt liquor at 7% alcohol, five ounces of wine at 12%. And then an ounce and a half of a shot of 80 proof distilled spirits, which is about 40% alcohol. And so I'm giving you those guidelines because I want to explain what excessive drinking is. And young people, and even as we age, we may become less tolerant to alcohol. And that's largely because our liver's tired, right? The, the, it's, it's eventually like, okay. I'm off, right? I, I don't need any more, but... Wait, Jackie, I just hear an old Jewish man when I talk. <laughs> when I talk to my liver right now, like I was checking in with my liver, and I just heard this old Jewish man talking to me like, oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're waving the white flag, right? They're like, okay, give me, give me, a, little, give me a little break. So what constitutes excessive drinking? Binge drinking is the most common form of excessive drinking. And, and as I mentioned earlier, that's defined as four or more drinks during a single occasion for women and five or more drinks during a single occasion for men. Heavy drinking is defined as eight or more drinks per a week for a woman, 15 or more drinks per a week for a man. And so one of the things that people think about is why do the guys get so much more? <laughs> 
why are they why are they getting that much more for falca and it's it's largely because of their their mass their size right so they can handle a little bit more i do think it's important to to make note that most people that do drink excessively are not alcoholics or alcohol dependent they just enjoy that feeling and this is what you know, the National Institute of Health is is writing on their on their website, which, by the way, is a really good resource for people if they want to learn more about alcohol consumption and what it's actually doing to their body. I think that's a, a really helpful thing. I was just thinking about when I was on all that chemotherapy and radiation, my body had to process all of those drugs. So if I'm pounding alcohol at the same time, my body is processing all of that. What's happening? Like, is the body not excreting the toxins from the chemo and the radiation because it's focused on the alcohol? Or is it getting more impact from the alcohol because it's so busy working on the chemo drugs? What's going on there? Oh, such a good question. So... I always like to think that we have the ability to help our body be more efficient or we can distract it. And so when you're in, and I had some pretty hardcore chemotherapeutic drugs myself, adromycin, cytoxin, and texol, I had that 20 years ago. And that is something that does a number on all of your organs because it goes through your whole body, gets processed and excreted, and hopefully takes care of the cancer. And what happens is our liver and our kidneys and all our other vital organs, they have their work cut out for them to help eliminate the, some of these toxins. It's one of the reasons they have you drink lots of water and some rest and all of that. But if you're loading yourself up with alcohol, it's almost like a competition. <laughs> the liver is definitely throwing up the white flag at that point. It's saying that's, that's a lot for it to handle, right? So it's important for us to help our body be more efficient. And that's one of the things I do in my practice all the time, which is how can we make your body more efficient at managing whatever your chronic condition is? If it's a thyroid condition, how do we support the thyroid medication you're on? If it's a heart condition, what are some of the strategies that we can use to support the, the medication that you're on? It's about reducing the workload on that. And again, that liver is an overworked and very underappreciated organ in the body. Jackie, there's a lot of my friends who just justify drinking wine because there's a component in wine that's supposed to be good for you. What do you say about that? Well, there, there is some information about that does talk about it. Drinking alcohol is kind of a risk reward benefit, right? You have to weigh the pros and the cons. And so the big question is, is there a health benefit? Well, there's resveratrol that is in red wine in particular, and it's because it's found in grapes and it has been shown in some studies to reduce the risk of cardiovascular disease, which is important. They have done research to see if it would help with the reduction of cancer, and they really haven't found a lot of strong correlations there. The benefits that they found from a cardiovascular standpoint were also when the participants were paired with a Mediterranean diet, right? And Mediterranean diets are really helpful. They do include red wine, but they also have olive oil. They've got legumes. They've got a lot of other health components to it. So it, the curiosity that I have is what is it from? Is it from the wine? Is it from the Mediterranean diet? Is it a combination of both foods that have resveratrol in them are also going to give you the same benefits, right? So you don't have to drink the red wine in order to get the benefits. You can get resveratrol from peanuts and grates, 
blueberries, cranberries, bilberries, and chocolate. Woohoo! You have to listen to Jackie's episode on chocolate. It's really great if you haven't heard it. Those are ways that you can get resveratrol in. And sometimes we use, I'm going to have the wine. I want to get my resveratrol in. And sometimes we see that, I don't know what I would say as an excuse, but keep in mind that there are the ways that you can get the benefits from that. What about the pills that say that they have this ingredient in them? So my preference is you do get it in food. And largely because we don't always know what's in the supplement that that is listing resveratrol. Now, I am not saying that there's no benefit to them because I don't know. There's lots of different sources. So I would suggest talking that over with your medical team if you decide to consume one of those supplements. You keep in mind that your body really likes whole food. It, it knows what to do with whole food. If you're eating a bunch of blueberries or bilberries or even some chocolate, your body's like, okay, I got this. I know where to put these nutrients. When you take a supplement, it might be like, hmm, I don't necessarily recognize that. I'm not really sure what to do with this. So I, I think that's an important thing to think about. So always discuss any supplementation with your medical team. A couple of recommendations that I want to talk about when it comes to alcohol. And, and I will share with, with you that I, while well, I don't drink a lot of alcohol. I, I do on special occasions enjoy a nice fine glass of wine. And I do use one of those little wands that I told you about that will take the sulfites and the histamines out of it so I don't get a headache. But I do think that if someone doesn't drink, there's no reason to start. <laughs> so if you're not if you're not someone that is a drinker, don't start. It's not something that you need to do. I have two of my children that have never had alcoholic beverages and they're over the age of 21 and they're just, it's not really for them. For those people that would like to drink moderately, there are some recommendations. So again, make that decision, weigh the pros and the cons, limit the consumption to two drinks or less for men and one for women per day. And even still, that's more than you necessarily need, but for men, two or less, and for women, one or less. Not to be saved up for seven on a Saturday night. We talked a little bit about blood sugar balance and and why that's so important in balancing the hormones of the endocrine system. So if you can eat when you are having an alcoholic beverage, that that'll help reduce those spikes. So have something with a protein, fat, and fiber in it. So if you have a glass of wine, maybe consume it with a few nuts. That will help with the reduction in the blood sugar spike and also maybe slow down the way that the alcohol is absorbed in the body. I would assume that cheese is along the lines of nuts, having cheese with wine. Yeah. If you are somebody that consumes dairy, that actually has a buffering effect on the acidity of the wine. So that actually could be somewhat helpful if you do consume cheese. But again, just a healthy little snack or, or meal, or if you're at a restaurant and you've ordered a glass of wine, maybe request that it comes with the meal. You don't have it before the meal so that you have the opportunity to have something in your stomach while you're drinking it. And then if someone has an issue with alcohol, if they are an alcoholic or they've had alcoholism in their family, this is something to, to really talk over with your medical team and your family, see if this is something worth it, see if it's something you really want to do. I have a friend who is 90, who excessively drinks daily but they religiously go into the sauna. And I'm just wondering, because I have a joke for you. I actually have a couple jokes for you later, Jackie, but <laughs> I'm wondering if that excessive sweating along with the excessive drinking is doing something 
because the person is 90 and like a bull. And we did talk about just the hosts being so different, but is there any information that about this idea of sweating it out? Well, that's, it's an interesting concept that you're sharing. So possibly the person you're talking about is seeing the sauna as a way to detoxify their body, right? Because you can detoxify several different ways and, and detoxifying out of your skin is one way, right? So getting you to sweat out the toxins. And if you've ever been in a sauna with somebody that has quite a bit to drink, you'll smell it as they as they are detoxifying with you in there. So that's like gross know. and cool all at the same time. You could potentially help with detoxification. However, drinking also causes dehydration, and so if somebody is in the sauna and they're sweating a lot or sweating profusely, the concern would be dehydration, right? And so that would be a recommendation for getting in not only just water, right? But even some of those electrolytes that have sodium, potassium, magnesium, chloride, all of those in there that can help balance some of those electrolytes in the body because those are really important. This is fascinating. I always say that you will get so many cocktail party tidbits when you go to a cocktail party will seem so smart if you just repeat a fraction of what Jackie teaches us. But I'm just sitting here going, oh, am I going to be a bit of a buzzkill at the next cocktail party because I'm going to be having all this ammunition that you told me. I have a joke for you. I actually have so many jokes for you, but I'm trying to pick two that I want to tell you. I want to hear them. Is there anything else that you want to share before I go into my joke telling? I, I just think that if someone is making the decision to drink, that they just do it responsibly. It's just like the ads they say on TV. You think about all of the things that you've got going in your life, whether you have a health issue or if you're driving or how old you are, just weigh the pros and the cons. Unfortunately, so many of us in this country and, and across the world use alcohol as a crutch, right? An emotional crutch. And, and it could be maybe there's something else that can be the crutch for you instead of the alcohol. I invite people to explore other ways to manage their stress or other things that are going on in their life. If they do have a drink, they can just enjoy the flavor of the drink and not use it as a way to kind of check out. That's such a good point. And Before I get into the humor, I want to say that if you are struggling with your alcohol consumption, please reach out to your medical team and or one of the hotlines. You should not have to go through this alone, especially if you're thinking about detoxing. There is a lot of free support and I really want to urge you to get it. And something I wanted to share personally is that I know that both sides of my family, going back to great-grandfathers, not grandfathers, but great-grandfathers, they were both bootleggers, (laughs) one time or another. So I found that out and I thought, oh, that's so interesting. And I, I really don't drink. So to know that that was in the history. But then when I shared that with friends, they were like, everybody's great grandfather was a bootlegger. (laughs) I am of Irish descent, so I don't need to say anything else after that. (laughs) (laughs) So this joke will be very appropriate. The man drinks so much, he does not sweat, he distills. Oh, (laughs) 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 And that made me think of your 
your explanation of when someone's in a sauna who's had a lot to drink that they they smell like alcohol. And then the other one is so silly, Jackie. It's just so silly, but I have to say it. Where do monkeys go to drink? I don't know. Where do monkeys go to drink? The monkey bars. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why the dumb ones make me laugh even harder, but they really do. Well, Jackie, thank you so much. As always, it is just so much information. I go back and I listen to your episodes two and three times just because I love to have all that information at my fingertips when I'm talking to people about the different issues. And when you said substituting, I was thinking, wow, they can go to the smoothie episode. They could go to the chocolate episode. They could go to the intimacy episode. There's so many episodes where you could distract yourself with some yummy things besides alcohol. So you have to promise me that you will come back. Oh, absolutely. It's so much fun being here with you. Do we have a topic? Do we know? Have we decided yet what a future topic will be? Well, we were talking about a few. We were talking about sugar and probiotics and additives, and there's lots of options. So we'll have to we'll have to streamline that and figure out which would be the best one for your audience. Okay, so you heard it here. Jackie's coming back, and we're going to have so many more terrific topics. And I just want to thank Jackie not only for all she does with Comedy Cures and Beating Cancer Daily and all of us, but also her participation in our second research study. And then all she does to help her private clients and also her corporate clients. It's just amazing what you get done in a week to create wellness in the universe. So thank you, Jackie, Brian. And if you would like to contact Jackie and get to know all about her, go to the Comedy Cures Foundation and write to us or record a message and we will send you a whole signature and you can also find Jackie online at JackieBryan.com. Have a blessed day and I'll see you tomorrow. If you loved today's episode, then tell the world. Why? Because Beating Cancer Daily and our membership circle are both a listener and donor supported experience. So the more people you tell and the more people that join us, the more robust and interesting programs our nonprofit, the Comedy Cures Foundation, can bring to you throughout the year. I really want you to go to comedycures.org. And of course, I always want you to make a donation. It's tax deductible to the extent allowed by law. But what's super exciting is not only can you laugh and explore the comedy there, you can look at our membership levels and find the one that's great for you. And if you're feeling a little bit generous, gift one to a chemo brother or sister or to a caregiver that you just want to help them improve the quality of their day. Thanks so much. See you tomorrow. Guess what time it is? It's time for me to read the disclaimer. Beating Cancer Daily and the Membership Circle are not in lieu of medical advice or treatment. They are for entertainment purposes only. Please consult your healthcare team to review your best strategy. Thanks for listening.